I want to talk about living large, living large. This is, uh, what, the third in this series. There'll be at least ten, maybe. Seems like there might be more. Um, trying to get through the book of Ephesians. But these verses in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, are literally the heart of the gospel. The heart of everything Paul talks about is in these few verses. Nothing new here. These are things we've, we all know, but it's the very heart of the gospel. So I want to read through these verses. Will you, will you stay with me if I read quite a bit? We're going to read through this, and then I want to uh, read in the Passion Translation just to give you another feel for it. So chapter 2, verse 1. Are we there? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now works in the sons of disobedience. Wow. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's twice it talks about who your daddy is. Maybe I should have titled this, Who's Your Daddy? Just as the others. <laughs> but God, whew, glory to God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, mm, uh, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. Say together. Together, not alone. With Christ, by grace, you have been saved. Come on now. And raised us up together and made us sit. Come on, Paul's preaching now. In the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Then in the ages to come, he might show off. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You're his trophy. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Uh -huh. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can I get an amen? Let's go to the Passion Translation. While we're going there, will you please remember, please be here tonight. I want the whole praise team here. I want all our banner people here. You be here tonight. Boy, I put Lisa on the spot. I want everyone here. There will be nine churches here. So there will be a lot of people you don't know. Act like you love them. Will you please do that? culture of hospitality, love on everybody. I want everyone to feel, man, that's the friendliest church in the world. Can I get an amen? Tonight, 6 o'clock. All right. And uh, here's it is in the Passion. And his fullness fills you. I like that. Even though you were once corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. This is going to be good. Hang on. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. Oh. 
The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. Uh But God still loved us with such great love He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ the exalted one, and we ascended with Him into the glorious perfection and authority. Now we're in a different authority. And of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of His grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For it was only through the wonderful grace that we believed in Him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. Ah, so no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Uh We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One, even before we were born. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Wow. Can you give God praise just for the Word? We could go home right now and say we've been to church. It's the Word. It's the Word. It's the Word. All right, I'm going to preach, and I'm going to try not to say any of the things I say all the time that you said. What Paul is preaching here, I want to call the great exchange. Look at what he says. He said, now or then we were the walking dead, zombies, dead men walking, right? Alive but dead. How many like zombie movies, right? These zombies, they're alive, but they're, they're nobody. They're all the same. They all just, I want more, more of this. I want more, I want more, right? I mean, it's just zombies. And, and zombies eat other people's flesh. I'm going to get tight in here now. We are no longer the walking dead, but we are the living large. We, don't, we, are, we, are, we are not in this heavenly, uh, earthly uh, realm. We are now in a heavenly realm, the great exchange. We, are, uh, we had a sinful nature. Now we have a Christ nature. We, were, we weren't saved by works. We were saved by faith. We are not under His authority. We're under God's authority. We now live in a heavenly realm. This is the great exchange. If we could just get a hold of the facts, you don't have to work anything up. You just need need to believe what you already have. You need to understand who you already are in Christ. You are the righteousness of God. You're, you're, we're the bride of Christ. And according to this, we're his trophy wife. <laughs> Hello? I know we look around and say, what contest did we win? I mean, <laughs> but that's, that's how much he loves us. He's going to show us off. Come on now. What has enabled this great exchange? The resurrection 
of Jesus. When he conquered the last enemy, I said the last enemy. Come on, someone needs to notify the devil the war's over. Someone needs to let them know we're not going to win. I read the last chapter. No, you don't have to read the last chapter. You just need to read about the resurrection. We've already won. We're not just going to win in the end. We've already won. I wish somebody would get that and start living that and start walking around like that. Amen. Start talking like a winner. Start praying like a What if we prayed like we're seated in heavenly places? What if you prayed like you're sitting on on Yahweh's lap, amen, talking talking to the heavenly Father? What if we began to understand our place in Christ Jesus the Lord? We have been resurrected and delivered from death. Sin has no more dominion over us. I know what some of you do. You say every time temptation comes, you say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to think it. I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to. Listen, no doesn't have a whole lot of power. I got to preach that one day. No does not have a lot of power. No is Old Testament. No is thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You're never going, amen, you're never going to have victory with a no. Victory only comes with yes. Victory doesn't come when you say, I will not, I will not, I won't do that, I'm not going to do that again. Why did I do that again? I can't believe I did that again. Victory comes when you say yes to Him. When you begin to understand who you are in God. When you get close to Him. When you start walking in His very presence, you won't have to say no because you won't want to do those things. Come on and praise Him if you understand. You won't want to. Who wants to do something wrong when what's right is more fun? Oh, come on. Somebody help me. Romans chapter 6. Well, let, let me say this first. How, how many remember the Shroud of Turin? Do you know what, how many know what that is? That's the, that's, and I believe this is the actual burial shroud of Jesus Christ. His image has, was burned onto this linen uh, sheet that was under him and over him. They have tried to reproduce it. They can't. They can't. They can't do what, what was done 2,000 years. With all our technology, with all of our lasers, they can't reproduce that image. No artist drew it because it's three-dimensional. There's no way. They said the energy, the energy needed to, to burn that image without burning the cloth, you needed about 6 billion watts in a in one, what was it, one-seventh of a billionth of a second. That's not even a blink of an eye. I mean, when Jesus rose, he rose. He slipped out of the devil's <laughs> eyesight before he could even blink an eye. When he, listen, when he, his body's laying there, life, not just life, but power came back into that body to such a degree that it actually had like a photo flash. <laughs> We can see the image. You can see the image where they pierced him in his side. You can see the nail holes in his hand. They, they can count the stripes. They can't see the sides, so there's more, but they can see the front and back, and they can count the stripes, how many times they whipped him. I, I, I'm very confident that as you look at this, you are actually seeing the actual face of Jesus Christ. And he wasn't a blonde, blue-eyed from Sweden. Amen. <laughs> Come on now. He looked very Jewish. Hello. Bridge, why are you sharing that? Because 
that same power that they cannot reproduce today is being reproduced in us. As he left his image on that shroud, his power is now leaving his image on us. It's not about us. See, that's the power of it. That's the wonder of it. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. It's not about how awesome you are. It's how that you let the resurrected Christ shine through you. Amen. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, somebody, I hear and get what I'm saying. Wait a minute. It's not about working something up. I got to do this. I better be, be I got to be a better Christian. I got to. Listen, just yield to the power of the Spirit. Yield to that resurrection power. It, it's already declared in heaven who you are. You don't have to attain anything. You really just need to be who God already said you were before you were even born. It's back to the future. Give him praise. Amen. Romans chapter, I got to hurry up. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. Watch this. Watch this. It, it, it's so very clear. For since we are permanently grafted into him, wow, to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Wow. Could it be any clearer? That our former identity, watch this, is now and forever deprived of its power. That needs to soak in. Your former identity. Let me give you a word. Adam's dead. The old man is dead. Say it with me. My old man is dead. And I'm not talking about my husband. Deprived of its power. If it's dead, it has no power over you. Why are you running around saying, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to sin anymore. You've been set free from the... It's dead. It doesn't have power over you anymore. Oh, oh if, we, if we could just get that. For we were, watch this, co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him. Oh, wow. Huh? Is finished, is finished, is finished. For by his sacrifice, we, he died to sin's power once and for all. But he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So... Let it be the same way with you. I was expecting everyone to fall out in the spirit at that moment. I didn't even get a sign. I didn't even get an amen. Did y'all read that? Is that the next verse? Oh, yeah. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually, continue, say continually, view yourselves as dead. Dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't care if I shake their hand. He didn't even shake my hand. Well, you're dead, so what does it matter? Well, he stabbed me in the back. So what? You're dead. You're already dead. They can't kill you anymore. Come on. The problem is not what people do to us. The problem is what, what, the, way we, the way we deal with what people do to us. 
You get up, you're walking around, you find a knife in your back, just pull it out and say, where'd that come from? Oh, Jesus. View yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. <laughs> got it? You got it? You got it? Likewise, you also. Now, this is, that was the passion. Look, look at verse, I had to get verse 11 here. I'm going to say it one more time. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is a southern Jew. He says things like, y'all reckon? He said, reckon yourselves. That's the key. Say, the, say reckon. Say, I reckon. Reckon is the key. It's already done. It depends on whether or not you've reckoned it in your life. It's an accounting term. It means put the numbers in the book. Reckon yourselves. Consider yourselves. Every day get up and say, I'm dead to sin and alive to Christ. Reckon yourselves. I need to say it about ten times so you get it. Reckon yourselves dead and resurrected. That's the key. It's dead. And listen, he said the last enemy, the last enemy is death. So if death, if death's defeated and it's the last enemy, there are no more enemies. Not even that church member. Help us, Jesus. So if resurrection is the means, then grace is the method. It's undeserved, unmerited favor. It's reckless love. He wants to show us off through the ages. We are his inheritance. We talk about our inheritance. You know what his inheritance is? You. That's why it's reckless. It's like, when you really think about this, you wanted to say, God, what were you thinking? You're putting all this in our hands? You're trusting us to win the world? You're believing that if we all come together on Sunday morning, that we will all love each other? Really? You really? What? Come on. And yet he believes it. Church might be a slow process, but I believe we're headed in the right way. And then, and then he makes this statement. I've got I to move on. Then he makes this statement. He says this. He said, you're not, you're not saved by doing good. We know that, right? You're not, you're not saved by good works. But I want you to get this. Because sometimes when people say, we're not, I'm not saved. I'm not saved by good works, so I'm just not going to do any works. Because, you know, that doesn't get me to heaven. No, I think you missed the point here. <laughs> you weren't saved by good works, but you were saved for good works. Make that a famous saying right there. You weren't saved by good works, but we don't throw good works out. That's why James said, without works, faith is dead. What he means by that is, if you have faith, works will follow. There's no works. You never had the faith in the first place. Real faith will always lead to good works. Can I give you some scripture? Listen, your good works, I want you to get this. Your good works are not just some nicety, not a little nice thing that you do. Your good works, listen, your good works demonstrate the glory of God. When you get together this Saturday morning and, and, and hand food out to people, listen, you're not just feeding people, you're demonstrating the glory of God. When you go to the hospital, when you bless somebody, so, so, somebody was, was in line and 
buying buying a dress for their daughter. I won't mention the name, but they're buying a dress for their daughter and really didn't have the money. And they just went by faith and said, well, we'll put it on layaway or something. And while they were in line, a young lady came up and said, I'll just buy the dress for you. That was the glory of God. Are you hearing what I'm? And then someone called and said, uh, does she have shoes? How many of those shoes are key? Come on, ladies, get an amen. Oh, that's why you have 125 pair. I, I've got a few too. I don't know. Let, let, me, let me give you some scripture. I've got to hurry up. I've got to hurry up. 1 Peter 2.12. Come on, throw them up quick. For by grace you have been saved. No, 1 Peter 2.12. 1 Peter 2.12. Hey, hallelujah. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, say it with me, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of his station. Your works glorify God. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your, and what? Your good works glorify God. We always talk about the glory of God like it's just some supernatural miracle. The glory of God is people loving other people and doing good works. It's not normal. It's glorious. Come on and praise you, my man. Next verse. Titus 3.8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men, to the world. Next verse. And let, uh, and let our people also learn, learn to maintain good works. Some people are saved too long. They think they don't have to do any good works anymore to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Good works is a sign that you're fruitful. Can I get an amen? Next verse, right? Hebrews 10, let us consider one another in order to stir up, uh, uh, stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner at Journey Life Center. Uh, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Stir up. If you're going to provoke somebody, provoke them to do good works. Can I get an amen? All right, let's illustrate this real quick. If you're here on Wednesday night, we talked about this. This this is so good. Luke 22, verse 15. How many remember in the Bible the Last Supper, right? You got there? Luke 22. You all know what happened at the... Last Supper. Everyone comes together. It's the last meal. It's the Passover, right? Uh, Peter gets them all organized, so they all sit on the same side of the table. Well, that's how you do selfies. You got to, they had to do a selfie. <laughs> Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Jesus said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired, isn't that cool, to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. You know what he's saying? This is the last meal in this kingdom. And the next time we eat, we're in a different kingdom. We're in a different kingdom the next time we come together to eat. Now, remember why they're there. They're not there because Jesus is about to go to the cross. I don't know if the disciples understood that. They're there because they're Jews. And this is Passover. This is what you do. Does anyone know what Passover is? Does anyone know what Passover remembers? It remembers when God delivered them out of Egypt. Now watch this. Is that okay? Then he took the cup. He gave thanks. He said, uh, 
Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Our next meal. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Watch this. Do this in remembrance of delivering from Egypt. Huh? You see the difference? Every good Jew celebrated Passover every year in remembrance of the deliverance out of Egypt. Jesus says, we're changing that. That was a great day, but a greater day is coming. <laughs> that, that, that brought you to Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments and the law, and, and a nation was born, was birth, kind of birthed, you know, was brought into the, in the, and you got to go back to the homeland. That was an amazing day, but somebody greater than Moses is here. We're not here remembering Moses. We're here to remember Jesus. Every time we meet, we remember Jesus. And he said, I'm going to make it stick in your old noodle. I'm going to make it stick. You won't just remember the three years I walked with you. You're going to remember that they put me in the ground, and three days later I came up out of the grave, and I conquered death, hell, and the grave. Every time you get together, remember me. Remember me. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody, somebody's got to get this. Remember me. This is not just, okay, okay. Let's just let's just pray. Uh, I remember when he died on the cross, and I remember. No, remember me now, now. Come into my presence. I'm here. Don't get so caught up in the world that you forget him. That's why he says the fourth commandment: remember to keep the day holy. It's the only one of the commandments he says remember because he knew we would forget to come to church. Someone's calling me. Stop it. You should be in church. Calling me while I'm preaching. You got a problem. It'll wait. I should have put him on speaker. Hello, you're on speaker. That <laughs> might be Gloria. No, I would have answered that. Y'all could just wait. Y'all know what I'm saying. Do this. Now I've lost everything. Do, do this in remembrance of me. Okay, I won't get into the scriptures. You know what happens next. He washes their feet. Do this in remembrance of me. Now that the meal is over, so well, this is just a Jewish custom. No, no, the, Jewish, you wash your feet before the meal. Their feet were probably already washed. But here he goes. Whew, he puts a towel and he begins to wash their feet. And Peter says, no, oh, you're the Lord. You're my master. I'm ne- you know, you can't, I'm never going to le- allow you to wash my feet. Right? And Jesus says, well, Peter, okay, but if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. Isn't that a powerful statement? If you don't let me serve you, then we're not, we, have, we have nothing here. Do this in remembrance of me. Peter said, well, wash me. Put me through the sprinklers out there. I, Nestle plunge. There's a pool in the patio. Let's go. Well, they were at a Marriott, right? I don't know. And Jesus says, no, you're already clean. Accept your feet. Listen, I don't care who you are. Oh, watch this. Can I talk a little bit here? I don't, you might be so spiritual, your head's in the clouds. That may be okay, and that might be true, but I don't care how high your head is, your feet are still on the planet. Everywhere you walk, you're picking up the dirt of this earth. 
Don't act like you're all that. Don't act like you're perfect. Don't act like you're so super spiritual. I'm just, you know, I wake up in the morning. God tells me what color socks to wear. I'll tell you, we walk. We walk together. He tells me what toothpaste to use. me Me and Jesus, we got it going on. Well, you might, you might be having a constant conversation with him, but your feet still get dirty. In fact, a lot of you, your feet stink. Come on. The priests in the Old Testament, before they ever ministered, they washed their hands and their feet. But there's a big difference here. In the Old Testament, they washed their own hands and feet. In the New Testament, Jesus says, I want you to wash someone else's feet. I said, God, what's the reason for that? Because I just noticed something. If, if, Ron, if I wash your feet, I wind up with clean hands. If we'll just start bowing to one another, we'll come up clean. If we'll just start loving everyone else, we get loved. If we'll just start taking care of everyone else, we get taken care of. Amen. If we can get a spirit of servanthood, do this in remembrance of me. Remember, I'm a servant, so you be a servant. If we'll just stop looking out for number one and always putting ourselves for, if I don't look out for myself, nobody will. Well, that's probably true. Except for Jesus. If you'll just look out for everyone else, Jesus will take care of you. Amen. He said, if I, he said, he said, I am your Lord. I am your master. Yeah, you, you've said it for sure. But I'm also the one who will wash your feet. And during the millennium, oh, my God, during the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, he's going to serve us. Wow. Wow. Well, he is our bridegroom. Everything has changed, church. We're in a new kingdom. We're in a new place. Resurrection power will cause you to not just come to church when you can on a Sunday morning. Resurrection power will will manifest works out of you that will change everyone around you. Quit praying for promotion and start washing feet. Y'all know I can mess with you here, right? Musicians come. I have landed. I have landed. It's not, it's not Houston, we have a problem. I, I have landed. You know what? Somehow, God help us, people in the church can't even love as well as sinners in the world. It's a sad thing when people in the world are kinder, more helpful, more loving than people in the church. It's a sad thing when sinners will tip better than Christians because we're so tight. I'll say it five times if y'all don't amen. It's a sad. If if you run a business, you know what I'm saying. Non-Christians pay their bills better than Christians do. What is that about? Christians, it's time we start acting like Christians. We are not privileged in that sense that we're better than anyone else. We have been saved to serve. It should not bother us to humble ourselves and say, man, I'll I'll wash your feet. And it's not just about humility. I want you to get this. It's not just about being humble. Something powerful happens. The kingdom is present when I wash this brother's feet. The kingdom's present. Remembrance of me. Let me tell you, the Last Supper changed the whole. They didn't get it because they went to the garden after that and they couldn't even pray for an hour. So they didn't get it. But after the resurrection, they didn't just pray an hour, they prayed for 10 days. 
The resurrection makes all the difference in the world. What are you like when you get up from the dead?